Welcome to the Televerse, streaming in place. Lodge 49. Welcome back to Streaming in Place. It is week 34, and somehow I feel less miserable about, miserable about that today than I might have a few <laughs> days ago. Somehow. Um, I mean, come on. Shout out to Vince. Some, I'm Vince, not sure why. We know why. <laughs> As a real asshole once said, it's morning in America. <laughs> sort of. I mean, sort I'm not, of. I'm not counting anything until yeah. December. No, but it, but it does feel better. Like, yeah, I yeah. feel at least a little bit better. I cannot believe how relieved I am. Anyway, uh, to that end, we will be just talking about television and not telling anyone to vote. Just talking about television. Well, we are talking about... Unless you're a listener in Georgia, then please yep. vote yes. early Ooh, or yes. vote, vote absentee. Yeah. Yes. Yes, please. Get, yes. Yes. I said shit now. <laughs> yes. And send your money and do the things. Do and 17-year-olds, if your birthday is between now and January, you get to vote. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, vote, yeah. So, but so, so I take it back. Definitely, still vote to our single listener in Georgia. Um, I don't <laughs> if you're a Christmas baby, by God, <laughs> by God, this is your time to shine. Um, we are talking about the third episode of Lodge Forty Nine's first season, Corpus, uh, and I am pretty excited to talk about this one because one of my one of the scenes that rings clearest in my head from this first season is in this episode um and so is another moment that i didn't realize was in this one but i got really excited about so so here's where i'd like to start um uh how about the rat should we start with the rat i was thinking maybe we would start with the funeral or maybe we would start with the murphy bed but i feel like maybe we should start with the rat yeah so that that rat was okay for the purposes of the show. I don't think we're gonna find out anything. I think we should assume the rat was not dead, but that rat was dead. It was very dead. <laughs> it was definitely a dead rat. So I don't know what happened, but uh, I'm not worried about dead bringing things back to life. Uh, it doesn't feel like that show, but uh, that rat was definitely dead. Noel. No, no, it was a very dead rat, and I mean, I, I, I can only assume that it's alive because Dud was so excited to get a hug that yeah. he just squeezed all the water out of the rat, <laughs> performing a little like weird, horrible version of CPR on the rat, and just like all the water came out, and the rat just came back to life. <laughs> um, because if that rat was causing all the drainage problems and filter problems with that pool, it would be very dead given the state of that pool. Mm-hmm. Um, like it would be very, 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 very dead as someone who lived in a house that had a pool It'd be very dead. Like there's no way. Um, but yes, no, it, I'm not getting, I agree with Kate that dead does not have the ability to bring things back to life. Um, though, if he touches this dead body behind the Murphy bed wall, maybe we'll find out. (laughs) Well, one of the things that I love about this episode is, is this is for me when you start to get invested in what, not what Dud considers to be life's great mysteries, but what the show considers to be life's great mysteries, the things that are messy and don't make sense and, um, that you don't know about another person um 
that it's hard to comprehend, that are not easily explained. Maybe it was just an air pocket and then I got a hard on, right? Like Mm -hmm. these things are not related. Um, But I think Lodge 49 does a really good job of making them feel related in a way that allows you to understand why Dud thinks they are. Sure. Yeah. Um, So that, I mean, I just love, I just love the rat and I love the reversal of that. Like, I love it. You that moment is already so weird and charged and it just gets weirder. Um, and then when you get this beautiful shot of Wyatt Russell at the funeral and you think he's about to make some really lovely speech. And then of course that's a reversal as well. I just, I think it's um really, really well structured. How did you feel about how the rat and, um, and Dud's new temp joy lifestyle as a made man fits into Corpus <laughs> overall? Sure temp joy man made of temp joy that's that's not a thing it is not a thing you can't be a made man at a temp agency you cannot (laughs) um what was the question (laughs) i was focused on the i I was like i shivered a few minutes ago and i saw kate make a face and i was thinking about the rat crawling up (laughs) on my shoulder and freaking out just a little bit no it's i mean it's incredibly gross what i don't understand (laughs) is how i mean i guess dud must have been so distracted by the hug and his boner that he didn't feel the rat start moving and then escape his hand yeah yeah it's um you know, I mean, it was obviously a very charged moment for them both. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, anyway. I feel like it that scene is sort of oddly kind of the centerpiece of the episode and that so much of what comes before and what comes after seem to be linked to it. Obviously, that's how um, Liz and Blaze re-meet um, after he gets her good and high. Mm-hmm. Um performing a real service as far as i'm concerned blizz dudley definitely needs to get high you need a burrito um in church in church so uh so what is it that you think um that scene in particular has to say about the rest of the episode where are you with life's great mysteries basically well i think that you know it's interesting i kept thinking of rectify watching this uh and it's just such a different show but there's some real threads and just like Dud, i feel like Dud is so close to making some really great observations about uh memory and experience and time you know and i of course i as he's talking about time i also go to adventure time and that amazing rebecca sugar song uh time adventure uh about you know time exists you know in in we perceive it linearly but it you know, this idea, this concept that everything is happening all at once and that when you go to a memory, you are time traveling and it's a really beautiful concept that the people we love that are gone are still there. They're just in a different frame of the, of the, you know, the, of the picture. Um, and, and which means the bad stuff's always happening too, but the good stuff's always happening. And so Dud is so close to making that kind of a connection. And instead he goes, literal again like blaze was so happy with him uh i mean so proud of him as he's you know i, I was fun to watch blaze react to that but i just want to be like you're so close you're so close but no you can't actually literally time travel you're not gonna act it's not the oh god you're bless you bless you dud you're so close but you're making all the wrong connections um at least i think we'll see 
I don't know the show. Maybe, maybe he's not, maybe we're going to go lost with this, but um, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at with it. And, and just like how, how satisfying, you know, these realizations can be even when they, you know, turn into like pivot from something very relatable that I think everybody in that memorial service would have connected with into just like the two steps too far where they're like, you are blaspheming and, or you are, uh, in need of talking to some people because I were concerned about your grasp on reality. So, um, it, I, for me, it was really interesting. And, uh, I feel like usually we would see in a, in a, in a standard show, you would see him make some sort of a break breakthrough and connection. Like my dad was with me right now and he's still alive right here in the like point to his heart. But this, <laughs> this show doesn't do that. He's still alive. Not in our hearts. Just, he just is alive. He just never, no one ever dies. And it's, it's, it's certainly, it's certainly entertaining and interesting. And, you know, we're only in episode three. Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of life's great mysteries still to come. One of the things that I love about, um, about the rat, about the Murphy bed, um, about the aura talk that we get about some of the other things is it really feels like like the universe is pushing dud toward the wrong answers right like you can understand why this desperate person this very sad person moralist person would see blaze pull the thing on the wall and a door opens to a new room in the lodge and he thinks oh my god it's narnia right like it's reinforcing for him Ooh, the lodge is magic when for everybody else the lodge is karaoke right he thinks oh well the rat came back to life that says something about my dad uh, as opposed to thinking oh i'm doing this thing that meant so much to me so i begin thinking of my dad and connect. so it just it it's an interesting tension for me because i don't think that the show is necessary, and we'll continue to talk about this for spoiler the entire series. I don't think the show is magical realism. I think it's a heightened reality, but I don't think it's magical realism. I think Dud thinks it's magical realism, and the show does a lot of work to get you to simultaneously understand why he thinks that and know that he is wrong. Right, and yeah, I, that is that double act has always been kind of dazzling to me. Yeah, and I think that comes through really nicely here. And one of the things I actually really, really like about this episode overall is that it's the show really starting to feel itself, which is really fun to watch the show go, here's what we actually are after kind of doing a pilot and then doing a, squ- a squishy second pilot. This is this is the show. Um, and I really, really like that aspect of it and the ways in which they start needling and dealing with exactly what you're talking about, this kind of weird sense of, Everyone else thinks this this is magical realism, except Dud thinks it's magical realism. We don't, but we're going to do everything possible to make him think that it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like the door for no reason, two two floors up, um, or the rat coming back to life, or seeing auras right before you're about to have a seizure, um, or um, the a body in a bed <laughs> behind. <laughs> Murphy bed. I'm um, sorry. I keep focusing on the Murphy bed because we just don't get enough good Murphy bed Murphy bed content anymore because they mm-hmm. just don't exist really too much anymore. But 
I love Murphy bed jokes so much. <laughs> they just make me so happy. Um, but on top of that, we also just get these like beautiful little moments of happenstance um, that all make sense on like a television level. But again, when you feed back into like this idea of magical realism and this idea of we're not magical realism, it's just Long Beach is small of Liz going to Blaze, being referred to Blaze, um, and then Blaze being at the funeral because Doug and Dud and the Lodge and everything else. It all feels like it's connected and meant to be, but it's just Long Beach is small. Mm-hmm. Um, and the community is insular, and it just kind of the, those weird overlaps, I think, are just really, really great in both creating that sense of narrative convenience, but also in terms of making you feel like all of this is faded. Um, and I like the ways in which they do that down to the fact of whatever company is buying out the industrial park, the captain's company buying out the industrial park that used to run Orbis, uh, just going, look for the black guy. Um, and then just pulling Ernie into that meeting because they assume he's the, he's the geologist, um, for it, which is just beautiful because it gives Ernie exactly what he wants and then he's not able to get it. And then that moment at the elevator is just so good and so beautiful. And I love it. And that look of recognition, just so good. But I also know who the captain is and I'm really disappointed now because that voice was too recognizable. It's too recognizable. Kate, do you know who it is? No. Okay, good. No, don't tell. I was too distracted by the fact that uh, there actually is a captain. So. (laughs) Or is there? Or Maybe is this there. person's just posing as the captain. Yeah. I love that meeting so much. And the line that does it for me is when the guy goes, I invented marketing. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God, I've been in that meeting. I know every one of those people. Oh, God. Run away, Ernie. Run away. <laughs> no, he has to sell He has to sell toilets to these people that he are does. building like this, this senior condo center or whatever they're actually doing in this place. Um, yeah, it's just it's so good. It's just really, really good. And all the ways in which they layer this stuff in, particularly in this episode, I just really, really like. Um, and just kind of couldn't get enough of. And I agree with Kate that the speech is both like steps too far, but is also more or less what people say in these kinds of situations at the same time. He just phrases them awfully poorly um, because there's they're just on the wrong side of just being nonsense pablum um, from a funeral speech of they're always with us. Like you say, Kate, in my heart. And it's just like, but just saying they're around always, like they never die or anything also doesn't feel that far off from saying that exact same thing to me as someone who's not a spiritual person in any way, shape or form. Um, When you're talking about any various other things of like, gods all around you all the time ever existing it's like how is that any different from saying my dad's not dead he's just here um and it's for me it's not and that's one of the things i like about that speech is that yeah everyone in that church is deeply uncomfortable and i like that the show refuses to play it as a victory um but at the same time it's such a big victory for dud that I'm right there with him the entire time. Like he's had this, he's had this actual come to Jesus moment. It's just involved a dead rat and a heart on, <laughs> which most come to Jesus moments really do involve a dead rat and a heart on. Little known fact. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I feel like if Dud is getting 
signs from the universe and understandably misinterpreting them. Or it's probably more accurate to say if Dud is observing the world and misinterpreting it as signs from the universe, yeah. um, then Liz is also doing a lot of maybe not misinterpreting, but missing yes. in this episode. And on revisiting it, one of the things that really struck me is how once she decides to have this memorial and even really before she decides to have this memorial she is met with this gentle encouraging compassion by everyone and it has zero impact on her and i love her boss so much like i I love that man he's what a teddy right like all everybody who works at shamrocks (laughs) is just a delight they're so kind it would have been so easy for the show to make them all pieces of shit and instead they're just lovely people and man i i feel bad that liz has to work there but i'm glad that she's got a good a good team behind her you know um how did you feel about liz's particular journey in this episode and did you see um just give me the money coming of course like of course it's obvious that's what's happening Uh, and that's what you know really uh puts adds the edge to all of those scenes of everybody being so supportive um and, and and you're just watching liz get hardened and become somebody she probably wouldn't have wanted to be before specifically because of dud and because of his choices and how selfish they are. Um, and, you know, there are times where you just got to be selfish to take care of yourself and to do what you need. The, you absolutely like self, being selfish is not always the wrong choice or not always a bad thing, which took me way too long to realize that. Oh, um, yeah, we, we can't talk about that. That's too we, much. We can't I get can't into that, right? This. I have therapy tomorrow. I don't need to, to discuss that. <laughs> uh, but watching her just be like, OK, well, we're scamming the, the church parishioners who want this and these people and you for money seeing as you have you know you don't care that i had to bail you out with a loan shark and you've taken out another loan with that same person with no way to pay it back no meaningful way to pay it back that temp job who knows how long it'll last and how long it'll take him to screw it up um that she goes well clearly i can't rely on you even to not create new problems for me so we're going to do this. Uh, I did know that we, we very obviously see Ernie put in like 300 bucks. Uh, so, so hopefully there's some actual cash in there that she can use as she sees fit. But um, yeah, the, she, everyone being so supportive is, you know, it's effective because we know that if what she needs is not right now is not emotional support. She needs financial support and stability because that is if she if she had that if she wasn't eighty thousand dollars in debt out of nowhere from her dad um then she would be able to accept that emotional support but she does not have the bandwidth for that because she can barely just keep her head above water um i mean she's not keeping her head above water she just hasn't been kicked out of her house yet so um yeah it really is a there's a hierarchy of needs thing situation happening and why you know at while i am enjoying and being more interested in dud each episode watching him on his quest to understand the universe while his sister is just trying to not get kicked out of her house uh really puts some things in in context mm-hmm. yeah yeah i i think that dud 
Dud's choices remain pretty indefensible, even as you begin to empathize with him more because he's obviously so broken. Um, and so is she, and they've just broken in extremely different ways. And the way in which she's broken has left her with the entire bag. Right. Um, and the way he's broken has made it possible for, has made that possible. Right. He has done nothing to try to relieve that burden. Um, uh, although as you say, it is her, the biggest issue is obviously the debt left by her father and not by dud. Um, although that $2,000 doesn't help. It doesn't help dud. It really doesn't help. Um, yeah, I think part of the tragedy here is, you know, since everybody she talks to is so gentle and compassionate with her and so glad that she's moving on. What would have happened if she had said, hey, just so you know, right before he died, my dad left me with this astonishing pile of debt. Yeah. Um, what I would like to do is try to reduce that. What would have happened? Maybe it would have been more money. Maybe it would. Maybe not. But but we will never find out because she never considers that an option. She right. assumes yeah. that the only way that people will help is if they think they're making a donation to save the waterfront or whatever in her dad's name. And that makes me so sad. Yeah. Right. There's that weird desire to just be like, just ask for a donation to the family. Like mm -hmm. I know that the, 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 the priest like positions it as like the charity thing, but it's just like, they definitely do donations to families like in these kinds of situations. Um, so it was just really frustrating. And like my partner, I think was just like pulling her hood over her face when she's like trying to steal the basket of money um, and not even steal just like, but for our records, no, just give me the money. Um, this is what the money is for. But also why does the church need a record of it? Because it's not their money. The church has, there's no reason the church should be involved in that unless the church also donated money or if they're mm -hmm. donating the, the use, the fee for the use of the building or something like that. But yeah. there's absolutely no reason that the church should be involved in that kind of a donation mm -hmm. unless they're trying to get a tax write off, but churches don't have tax write offs. So, cause they don't have to pay tax. So the, he's the, the, the person, the the priest or the pastor, or, you know, the father or whatever, um, at the church minister, uh, is trying to get a record of this don of the full value of this donation, and they will the church will write a check, which then gives the church credit for the donation as opposed to the individual people who were there. Um, so that's also an interesting little wrinkle as well. Um. The upside, though, is that Liz gets to buy a lot of pot lollipops now. Yeah. I'm very happy about that. Well, just her confidence that the people there care are way more likely to donate to a charity they've never heard of about something vaguely water or ocean based, as opposed to her, this person that clearly they are connected to and care about at least somewhat, even only by proxy through her dad who they who they knew um is absolutely uh depressing marcus says the skimming priest the priest might be skimming so yeah um i love the little moment when blaze and ernie show up at the memorial and liz is like oh what are you the the, the luminous knight or whatever yeah. and ernie yeah. just says so sincerely 
I'm very sorry for your loss. And you watch, Sonia Cassidy is so fucking good. Yeah. You watch like six things happen on her face at once. She's ashamed of herself and she's embarrassed and she's still annoyed and it's all happening at once. Um, She just, I think she kicks it out of the park this episode. The next episode is actually one of the great Liz episodes, but but I really love this one too. Um, Are you loving Liz as much as I am? Yeah, yeah, she's great. the best character in the show. <laughs> I do um, want to. I do want to say how much I love Blaze again. Who got? Oh no, he's he's also delightful. <laughs> but um, yeah, Liz is Liz is goat. Yeah, yeah, no, Blaze is also delightful. Um, yeah, it's just yeah. I don't have anything to say about Blaze right now. Just that he's delightful, and I really just want to see more of watching him want to encourage this kind of magical realism thinking, but also knowing it's not true, but also being like, yeah, man, mysteries of the universe. You can't understand them. Also, they're just allegories. <laughs> <laughs> but we, my degree means nothing to me, and not just because they lost their accreditation. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, we haven't talked about that scene, and that's the Blaze scene that I'm actually, that's the scene of this I'm most intrigued by, aside from, obviously, corpse in a tomb um is the the snake bite and you know what maybe coming from that i, I assume several episodes done like once we've forgotten that blaze is gonna like reach out to his herpetologist friend and you know hopefully get some information about the injury and everything and why it's not really healing um so I'm really looking forward to that. I'm glad that we finally do see the wound and get a little conversation yeah. around it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm very interested in what that could be. I also am absolutely delighted with Blaze uh, being like, and like, you know, I got some stuff for you for the, for the fungus. So like, you know, uh, just next time you're in, you know, still, and she's like, and, and how Liz doesn't even react to that. How she's not like, you told this guy about my foot fungus, you know, like it, there's just like, uh, you told this guy about my foot fungus. Yep. That, that tracks. Yeah. Yeah. It's very good. Yeah. It's really good. Um, well, I, I, we've got a couple other little things to talk about. I want to make sure that we touch on, um, Connie and Scott and Ernie and the situation there. Um, I think that Linda Emmond is so good. <laughs> In this episode, in her very few scenes and the scene of her running out to her car with the pillows is really heartbreaking. Um, do you feel like you've got a sense of those three relationships of that like particular triangle, romantic triangle, power struggle, all of the weird things happening there? I think I'm still waiting for it to be a little fleshed out. I'm glad we're getting like a little bit of detailing happening here. Um, but yeah, I'm still kind of waiting for it to feel a little more fleshed out, I think. Um, not that it's not good. It's just, this is, this is being a slower play, I feel like, than some of the other stuff is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I agree with Marcus that, um, the sense that Marcus doesn't have a real sense of Scott. I think Scott's just being very broadly defined, um, right now, um, as what, former Navy? Um, He's a cop. Yeah, but he had like a U.S. He had oh, like okay, a U.S. Yeah. Navy or Marines um, thing up on the wall in the house. Mm-hmm. I can't remember which one it was. Um, but yeah, and just his whole thing with uh, England and Lodge One and all that. Um, because it's a slower play because we're still waiting for our emissary to make his very long flight. And to stay <laughs> in his 
obviously terrible, terrible room that Dud is going to move into at any point. <laughs> well, I'm for me, uh, I, I, I think it was very interesting that she calls Ernie when she gets fired and she calls Scott when she has a medical issue, mm-hmm. um, which is clearly a, a, a known issue that they've been dealing with for a while that is scary. Um, so uh, that is that is interesting. So mm-hmm. we'll, I'm, we'll continue to get more with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I do, I do not doubt we'll be getting more soon. I agree that Scott is more broadly drawn. Um, I look forward to more nuance about their relationship because it's very easy to see the warmth with her and Ernie and all the stuff we've gotten so far with her and Scott has been with added tension between Scott and Ernie and just, yeah. You know, with the exception within, of that scene where he comes home. Yeah, except for that one scene we got, that brief scene. So we haven't really gotten to see Scott outside of the context of politics struggles within the lodge. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we'll see what's up. But uh, well, yeah. And speaking of the lodge, I, I we've already mentioned the Murphy bed a couple of times. Um, but that is the piece that I forgot happened in this episode. For okay. some reason in my head, we didn't get start getting into secret rooms in the lodge for a while yet. Um, and there's we more the, rooms. Oh, there's a whole... I've seen a map. Um, okay. They wrote a... They drew a map of the lodge um, that I uh, interviewed the um, the show's creator quite a while ago and he had a picture of it on his phone because I was talking to him about the sense of place in the lodge and how it really does feel like every corner there could be something else behind it um and they put a lot of care into that set um which I think comes through here right like there's Uh just it really feels like a place um and a place where you open a closet and who the hell knows what's going to be in there um so yeah the Murphy bed is such a cool revelation and it's another of those um, weird, like, ringing in the universe moments where they have this funeral without a body and then find a body that's mm-hmm. obviously not Dud's dad, right? Like, there's no way that's or Dud's dad, it? of course. Or it's it. Um, but uh, it's so startling and funny and weird and upsetting. Um, and I think is a real... Is a t- it's a bit of a turning point in the show for me. So, uh, what did you what did you expect when that Murphy bed went up? What did you think was going to happen? I didn't know if it was just going to be a comedic beat, but then it kept going. Or I was like, is is Ernie gonna like pass out or not realize? Be like, oh, he must have left, and then we're gonna have a whole thing about that, or um, until the next episode, or or what? Uh, but I definitely did not expect secret room and body. Although I did keep, I was kind of, as soon as they found the, the room, I was like, there's a body in that room. Like a hundred percent, there's a body in that room. Um, so, so it was, I thought it was well paced and timed and all, the, you know, I was like, oh, ah, corpus, literal, very nice. Well mm-hmm. done show. Um, oh, Marcus says, I figured he found a secret room due to the sound design. Yeah, yeah there's the wall crashing sound is a little bit of a giveaway, um, which is fine. But also like our, the set design as well, because that wall is in terrible shape. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was it was one of those instances of, you know, how an animation where something that's supposed to be picked up or moved is a slightly different shade from something that's not supposed to be touched. Mm-hmm. It was like that of like I saw that wall and went, 
that is not a wall that is going to be standing much longer. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, when they spill into the room, like I, like I was fully prepared for secret room of some kind. Um, I was not prepared for corpse with uh, designer shades um, from the late fifties, early sixties, mirroring the person that we saw in the portrait. Um, who was Larry's mom or the one standing next to Larry's mom? I can't remember. Um, who had the glasses? Um, but I'm I'm intrigued by the ways in which that that body has just not decomposed enough, <laughs> um, and is so airtight in that room uh, somehow or another because it shouldn't be. Um, but also, this appears to be the only way into that room, <laughs> which I also have questions about. So um, I'm intrigued by all of this and which just kind of leads into like Kate's thing at the top of like being sort of lost ask. And it's just like, we have to go back to the pool. We have to go back. <laughs> Bunkers, um, man. <laughs> um, so, I mean, all that was really missing from that scene was the mamas and the papas playing. There you go. Uh, we need to wrap up because mm-hmm. we yeah. need to go. But uh, Marcus also mentions the corpus has a literal body with the rat. So, yeah. 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 Um, do you, before I tell you the next episode title, any other thoughts, Marcus, if you have any other thoughts, put them in the chat. I'm enjoying it. Can't wait to watch the next one. Good. I'm so glad that you guys are into it. I, you know, it's, it's an odd show, so you never know, but I really dig it. So I'm glad you do too. Okay. Our next episode is Sunday. Just a scintillating episode title. I promise most of of the the episode titles are good. (laughs) Not the confection. Yes, the day um, of the week and not the confection. So obviously it's an, an extended homage to the Al Pacino classic, Any Given Sunday. <laughs> That's a solid, solid, you know what? I'm going to drink some water. Holy shit. <laughs> Got it right. Got it in one. <laughs> what about you, Kate? You have any prediction? Well, right now I just go to Sunday Bloody Sunday, which, because uh, we're talking about lots of bodies, but I don't think that's what they're going for. So, uh I mean, Saturday was the 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 events of the previous episode. I assume this will be the very next day, and it's going to be a doozy of a day. It, it but will, it will be a doozy of a day, uh, and that's going to do it for this doozy of a day. We will be back on Wednesday talking about Lodge Forty Nine, Season One, Episode Four. Sunday. Until then, please register to vote in Georgia if you're 17 years old and live in Georgia. <laughs> and uh, bye, bye. Bye.